So, we're going to jump right into our message this morning. We're on week 8 of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're in, uh, basically going to be starting Matthew 6 uh, today. We're going to talk about uh, some different things. Uh, but um, the, the subtitle for the series, or the subtitle for today, is A Christian's Walk, Not Hypocritical, But Authentic. Now, we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, 1 through 18. We're going to, normally we usually go through that together, but we're going to wait on that. We're going to do that a little bit in just a second. So, so just if you have your Bibles, you'll, you'll be able to look there in just a moment. But uh, we're going to jump right into kind of the first point, because we're going to kind of look at this whole section together. It's, it's kind of a section where Jesus is, is teaching us some things, and he kind of uses several different examples to help us understand some stuff. So instead of kind of breaking it down, we're going to take it more as a chunk and more as a whole. Uh, But we're going to look at first uh, something that we need to understand as we move into this. And I think this is a very important understanding that we have. And it's this, is that basically Jesus shares these three disciplines that he expects in our lives. Okay, this this section, he's going to share some things that he expects. And he expects them for a couple reasons. One, the way he handles this situation is such where he doesn't even make the assumption that we're not doing these things. He's basically saying, listen, and and, as you see in your notes, it kind of shares this, is Jesus doesn't say if you do these things. He says when you do these things, okay? And I put on all the examples in Matthew 6, too, and when we read it in just a moment, you'll see. But he doesn't say, hey, listen, if you do this, he says when you do this. Okay, these were things that he expected then and he expects today. Now, what does that mean for us? It's real simple. These are items and things that need to be a part of our lives if we're following Jesus. Okay, now we're going to get a little more in depth in just a second. But basically, these are things that he expects. And he lists basically three things. And then we're going to expound on those three things. But basically, he talks about giving. He talks about prayer. And he talks about fasting. Okay, these are three things. Now, let's break these down a little bit to kind of talk about these things. Now, when first he talks about giving and and like I said, what he's going to do is he's going to break it up a little bit and kind of talk about certain aspects of giving and certain attitudes that we should have. But first he talks about giving. Now, this is not just monetarily giving stuff, although this is a part of what Jesus is sharing here. But he does talk about the fact that our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus, should be lives that are marked by giving, not necessarily taking. In our world today, we like to take. Okay? We like to grab. We like to reach over and say, that's mine. Uh, sometimes I've talked about this before. It's like, how many of you have seen the movie Finding Nemo? Okay? You remember, I think it's the seagulls. You remember the seagulls? Mine. Mine. If, if, there is a, if there was a movie clip that I could talk about the American church and the American way and the thing, it's, it's those seagulls running around. Mine. 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 And Jesus here is talking about, hey, listen, our life shouldn't be characterized by mine. Our, our, our lives should be characterized by ours, and our lives should be carried out by giving of things, giving of ourselves and our time and our treasure and our, and our, our talents. So Jesus says, hey, listen, if you're going to be a follower of me, if you're going to be a disciple of me, you need to have giving to be a part of your life. Again, remember, this isn't, these aren't things that Jesus are throwing out there going, hey, if you have time, or hey, if, if, if you want to, he says, when you do. This is expected, okay? The next thing is prayer. Prayer is such an important part of our lives. It's, it's communication. It's talking. It's, it's having those moments. It's, it's time that we get to spend with our Father and express our needs and express our love and have Him do the same, okay? 
This again, this is a part of who we are as Christians. This is a part of our lives. And the final thing that he lists that's a little different for people, like most people get this, okay, I get the prayer, I get the fast, I get the giving, all those sort of things. But now fasting, okay, fasting. You know, one of the things that we do that we started last year that we're going to continue here uh, in January is we, we do a 21-day fast as a church, okay? As a church in January, I'll, I'll pick a day. Um, I think we'll do it a little sooner, a little closer to the beginning of January. We started a couple weeks. I think we started on the 14th last year. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll have a date a little bit closer to the beginning, maybe the first Sunday um, in January. I'll have to look at the calendar. We will pick a day, and we will do a 21-day fast together. Okay? This is an important part of who we are as Christians. Fasting is this unbelievable opportunity for us to, to take things and, and put them aside and focus on Jesus. Okay? Now, here's the thing about fasting. We talked about this before. Fasting could be food. It can be other things. Okay? My father's diabetic. Okay? He's been diabetic since he was 17 years old, basically. My father cannot fast. If, if he fasts, he goes sees, he, you know, he, he's going to go see Jesus real fast. Okay? But he has found ways to fast in his life. This discipline of fasting that God has placed in him and, and for us. He's found a way. Everyone can find a way. Okay? But here Jesus is talking about these things. These are things that are supposed to be in our life. So let me just, just, just be honest. Okay? Because there's one thing you need to understand about what today is going to be is a lot of self-evaluation. Okay? A lot of application, a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll talk about things and it's kind of pie in the sky, by and by, you know, all this sort of stuff. These are things that are pretty simple. So here's simple question number one. Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you giving? Because Jesus is saying these are expectations, okay? I don't know how you handle your kids, but one thing that we've learned with our kid that helps him a lot is we give him clear, defined expectations, and we'll say, Easton, this is an expectation. This isn't a, a maybe. This isn't a possibly. This is what we expect of you to do in this situation. That's what Jesus is doing here, guys. These are expectations. If we're following Jesus, these are some things that need to be in our lives. Now you go, oh, my goodness, well, I've never really fasted. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. Let's start. And you go, I don't know how. Okay, well, hey, listen. We're going to be doing a fast together in six months. Okay. We'll talk about it. We'll learn about it. We'll do it together. Okay? But the, the, the giving and the purpose, you can start that today. Okay? So these are things that Jesus expects. Now, here's what we need to understand before we even move into point two and point three. I, I think this is something we need to focus in on. Okay? Because basically what Jesus is going to do now is he's going to talk about kind of the heart and the motive when you're doing these things. Okay, and I want you to look in your notes. Okay, look down at your notes. You got this, and you see this, this, this point two, and it says, and I'm going to tell you what it is. It says hypocrites versus disciples of Jesus. Okay, so we're going to have a little compare and contrast this morning, uh, and, and and kind of look at this, and we're going to look at basically this whole section here. This is where we're going to look at this big thing. Now, I want you to notice something here. Okay, both groups are doing both are, are doing these things. Okay. We're not going to look and say, oh, look, the hypocrites, they're not giving, they're not praying, and they're not fasting. Sometimes what we do as Christians is we think, that, oh, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm good. And here Jesus is basically expressing, hey, listen, listen, you can be doing all these things and still be far from my heart. Jesus at another time in Scripture says, hey, listen, you know, he's going to separate what he calls the sheep from the goats. 
And listen, just so you know, quick, quick spoiler alert, you want to be a sheep. And he goes to the goats and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And the, the goats say, well, wait a minute, Jesus. We did all this stuff in your name. We healed people. We raised people from the dead. We did all these amazing things. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not interested because your heart was far from me. So, so you have to understand here, as we look at these things together, you could say, hey, man, I'm doing all these three things, and I'm going to go, great, that's awesome, that's a great start, but how's your heart in, re- in reference to what you are doing? Okay? So we have to understand that. So let's go ahead. We're going to jump in here. Let's look at some of these differences. And Jesus does, it is 18 verses, so it's going to take us just a minute, but just hang with me. And uh, we're going to go through it together. Because now, as Jesus has, has basically, as we talked about before, these are expectations. Now he's going to talk about the motives and the heart behind them. Okay, So let's start with verse number one. It says, watch out. Do, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, do it, do not do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets and calling attention to their, and their streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is on heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled. So so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. So basically here through these chapters, Jesus is doing a little compare and contrast. He's basically talking about, okay, we're, we're going to talk about giving, we're going to talk about prayer, we're going to talk about fasting, and we're going to talk about how some people do it and how I want you to do it. And you see, as you kind of go through this, this idea of, of hypocrite versus what Jesus is wanting for us. Now, I use the term disciple of Christ or of Jesus for a reason, okay? And I use the word hypocrite for a reason, and I believe Jesus did as well. In Jesus' time, to be a hypocrite meant to be someone who was a play actor. Or someone who is who is trying to put on a part and play a play a role, and Jesus here is basically saying, "Hey, listen, these people are playing the role of righteous. They're playing the role of pious, but they're really not." He says, "Don't be like them." 
And instead of just saying, don't be like them, he basically shares with us what we should be like in these areas. So I've listed some things here. They're in your notes that that, let us of these kind of compare and contrast kind of situations. First, the one that we're going to look at is this idea of showy versus secret. Now, now. Showy, everybody knows what that is, okay? We're we're doing stuff as a hypocrite so that everybody sees what we're doing so that we have everybody look at us and go, wow, how wonderful we are versus secret. Now, here's the thing we need to understand about secret here. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't let our light shine before men, okay? I've had that that conversation where, oh, well, Jesus is contradicting himself. Well, why? Well, because he just told us to be salt and light, and now he's saying we should go and do these things in secret. That's not what Jesus is saying here, okay? He's comparing and contrasting two different types of mentalities and two different types of motives. One being, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, and the other basically doing it in a way that doesn't draw attention to oneself. Because as you see here, what we're seeing is this idea, and we're going to kind of continue to kind of unpack this together, this idea of basically what we're going to talk about the next thing, which is self-centered versus God-centered. You see, the hypocrites and what Jesus, and I'm going to use that term a lot, okay, throughout, because that's the term Jesus uses. But this idea of a hypocrite is basically this concept of self-centeredness, where I want everybody to see what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, and I want to get that praise and that attention, where someone that's doing things in secret are doing it because they want God to see it. They're focused in on what God sees versus what man sees and how man sees them. Listen, I know this isn't always easy because we like to hear people tell us that we did a good job and we like to have people say how wonderful we are. And let's just be honest, sometimes we kind of, at least maybe for me, I don't feel like God does that quite enough for me. Like I want God to constantly kind of be like patting me on the back going, oh boy, man, you are something else. Woo! I am so happy and so lucky that, that you chose to follow me. Now the problem with that is quite simply, I am not God. God isn't lucky he has me. I'm lucky I have him. Okay? And so sometimes God will will, will bring those things in those moments. It's not that God doesn't encourage us. Okay? He does. But let's just be honest. Sometimes he doesn't do it in the way that we think he should. And I think sometimes the reason why that is is because that builds up our pride instead of our understanding and our need for him, our dependence on him. And so we see this in the hypocrites versus the disciple of Jesus. Next, and I think this is one that's a big one, the wrong motives versus the pure motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you do what you do? Listen, I'm going to share with you some personal struggles that I have at times when it comes to these sort of things. Because, because I have a stigma, which I, I, I have to carry, but I'm not real fond of it, okay? And that's the stigma of pastor. Okay, and you go, well, why? Are you ashamed? No, I'm not ashamed of what I do, and I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done in me and doing through me. But I, well, you got to understand, when I come into a room, and, there's, and, there, and people understand who I am, You'd be surprised how people change. I don't like that. I don't want that. I want to just be Aaron at times. I understand my role. I understand what God's called me to do. But you've got to understand sometimes that's not an easy thing to carry around. There's times when we, we, one of the things that I really enjoyed about our community groups that we had this, this, um, this summer, and just so everybody knows, they're coming back this fall. Uh, we're going to start either late August, early September. We're working everything out, putting them together, but they're coming. So put that on your radar screen. But one of the things that I really enjoyed was the fact that Emily and I didn't really have a group. 
we kind of went to both. You know, we'd, we'd go to one, one month, and the other, the next month. So we kind of jumped around. And, and, and it was funny. At first, there was this, like, tendency. It was like, you know, kind of people looked at me and, and be like, well, aren't you going to pray or aren't you going to? I'm like, nah, man, I'm just here. And sometimes there's, there's this thing, well, you know, it's like even, listen, even when I go home at times, you know, so I'm here with my family, and it's like, well, well pastor's got to pray. You know, no, I'm Aaron. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't do it in a mean way, but it, it, it's hard. And so because of that, sometimes I struggle with the, I got to do this because people are watching me. You know, look, let me just be honest with you. There's times I walk in here, and I don't want to worship either. I'm, I'm sure that doesn't come as a shock to most of you. But to others, you're like, you know. I get tired too. I get frustrated too. And there's times where I'm going, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to you know, because, because so-and-so may be watching me. And what are they going to think if I, blah, 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 blah. Those are the wrong motives, folks. Now, here's what I got to do in those moments. I got to understand that I'm having a wrong motive and not allow that to keep me from worshiping, but to get my motives correct so that I can worship. Okay? But we all struggle with this. Maybe you have, maybe everybody knows at work that you're the Christian. Got it? You know what I mean? You're the Christian. And something happens at work that's not fun and you're not happy about. And let's be honest, really what you want to do is be like, man, I can't believe this is happening. And you're like, oh no. You know, you got to put the halo on and put your, oh, I have to be holy here. Okay, listen. Jesus knows the motives of your heart. Now, should you act correctly? Absolutely. But let's do it for the right reasons. And Jesus here is saying that. He's like, listen, make sure that when you do the things I'm asking you to do, that your motives are pure. Next, next, the hypocrite desires the rewards of man where the disciple of Jesus desires the rewards from God. Okay? He understands the thing. Now, in our text, which is very interesting... And it's, it's, it won't be on the screen. But Jesus keeps using this term. And he uses this term. And it basically says uh, this. It says, I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. And he uses that term under each uh, situation. All the reward they will ever get. In, in the original Greek, what that word, those words basically mean is basically the idea or the concept that they have been paid in full. Okay? That they've got it all. That that's all they're going to get. Now, here's what's interesting about this, and we got to understand this: they're gonna get something. Jesus doesn't say they're not going to be rewarded. He says they're going to get a reward, but that's all they're going to get. Here's the understanding that we have to understand. We've got to understand and un- to the point where we know the rewards of God are greater and more desirable than the rewards of man. But here's the deal. Here's, what's, here's what I found. It is sometimes very hard to focus on the rewards of Jesus and of God if I'm worried more about the rewards of you giving to me. You get what I'm saying? I have to understand, you have to understand that those rewards that God is laying up for us are greater than anything that anyone else will give us. But the hypocrite, boy, they just want that. They want that. They want it now. They want it now. I want to feel good about myself now. I want, I want you to think I'm wonderful now. 
They care more about what people think than they care about what God thinks. Next, this understanding. And it's interesting that Jesus throws this in here because he kind of does it at the end of the prayer section. But I think it's important. This unforgiving versus forgiving. It's kind of a strange place for it, I thought. I mean, I mean, here Jesus is talking about, he's talking about giving, and he's talking about prayer, and then he moves into fasting. And it's like he's kind of talking and he's sharing, and all of a sudden he like throws this little forgiveness thing in. And I, I remember as I was studying this over the last couple of weeks, I'm like, why, God? Why, why did you throw this in there right in this moment? And I think it's interesting because I think what we have to understand here is when you pray and you understand who you are and how much God has forgiven you, that becomes much easier to forgive others. So I think he put it in here, and if you notice in the prayer that Jesus teaches us how to pray, he brings up forgiveness. He brings up that understanding that that we have sinned against God. And when we understand that, we'll be able to forgive easier. Now listen, does that make it simple and easy? No. We've been hurt. Life is hard. People do sometimes some horrible things. But we do see here this understanding that if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we are going to be people of forgiveness. Next, this idea of pride versus humbleness. Okay? One that's puffed up and the other one who's humble and understands who they are and who God is in their life. And then this one I think that is so important. I put it last. They are obsessed with the outward appearance where disciples of Jesus are obsessed with the heart or are obsessed with their heart. Matthew talks, or Jesus talks a little bit more about this in Matthew 23. Now in Matthew 23, we see this, this scripture where Jesus is actually going after, I guess is a good way to put it, the Pharisees. He's basically saying, okay guys, Here's, here's this section. This is called the woe section, basically. And so Jesus here is, is basically going, I am now sharing with these individuals what the situation is, okay? Now, before we read this, I want to remind you of something. Because a lot of times when we read this stuff, we kind of are like, man, oh boy, this is something, man. Jesus is really coming at me. Remember, this is love, okay? We talked about this way back in, in, in the early, or I guess late winter, Everything Jesus does is love. So we have to understand that Jesus is not doing this for any other reason but because he loves the Pharisees and he wants them to change. But he goes after them and he begins to share these things that really kind of go along with this understanding of of outward appearance and heart appearance. Because the, the, the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about actually in this section as far as um, back in uh, Matthew 6 are the Pharisees. He says this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees. Well, again, he uses the word hypocrites, play actors, fakers. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, again, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inward, inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus here doesn't mess around. Jesus here is pretty to the point. 
You know, a lot of times, let's be honest, we care very deeply about what the outside looks like and our hearts are far from him. We like to put on the mask and we like to put on the show and we like to try to fool everybody. And Jesus is not just looking at the Pharisees. He's looking at us and saying, hey, listen, listen, you've got to make sure the inside's clean and the inside's pure. And what's beautiful about that is what he says is hey, when this is done and this is taken care of, the outward is going to also be beautiful. I love that. I love that Jesus basically says, from, from, from what is in your heart, your mouth is going to speak. One always will lead to the other. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, if you'll focus on what I've asked you to focus in on, your outward actions, your outward stuff, all of that is going to be taken care of because you're focusing in on me and you're focusing in on being pure here. I think, and I mean this sincerely, I think Jesus was so sick and tired of people because he knew their hearts who were proper and walking around like they owned the place, that they were so spiritual and so holy. And inside, Jesus is like, man, you're dead inside. You're dead. And you may walk away and go, boy, good, I fooled Aaron. But you're not fooling God. He knows. And I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to be like, oh, God's looking and God's going to get you. No, God cares. God understands that he wants you to be focused in on the heart because that's what he is focused in on. Listen, I use the word disciples of Jesus for a reason. A disciple follows Jesus. A disciple is literally becoming just like Jesus. And so if our father is this way, if we're going to be a disciple, we're going to try to become just like him. I remember a couple years ago, my father-in-law is a wonderful guy, but he's crazy. And this is why, okay? He does mountain bike races, okay? That's not the crazy part. But he does crazy mountain bike races. There's one in Leadville every year. It's called the Leadville 100. It is a huge mountain bike race. I mean, back before bad things, Lance Armstrong did this thing. I mean, this is a big mountain bike race. It's one of the big ones, okay? And he decided he wanted to do it. He didn't do it a great job, all this sort of stuff. And he's just doing a great Well, then he did something. This is the crazy part. He did it what's on called the single speed, okay? Now, most bikes that you see have gears because those people are sane, okay? He did it with one gear. He basically climbed a mountain on a bike with one gear. And it's awesome. But I remember the first time we went and saw him race in this race. And I've, I mean, you, you, it's so funny. You know, you, you get to the starting line. The starting line's like five in the morning. It's early and it's cold because it's in Leadville, Colorado. And, and so you're kind of bundled up. And all these guys are in just spandex everywhere. And they got the cool sunglasses. And they got the bike computers, man. And they're just, they're just ready. You know, they got like protein milkshakes, you know, tied to their handlebars. I mean, they are ready to go. Some of these guys, it's crazy. Some of these guys, they don't even stop. The whole 100 miles, they don't stop. They literally have people with baggies, like it looks like a satchel. And as they're riding by, they grab the satchel, throw it over their head, and eat out of the satchel as they're going. Keep them fueled. It's crazy. But anyway, so I'm looking around, and I'm seeing all these guys. And they are, man. They are all, you know, spandex everywhere. They're all ready to go. I mean, they are just, you know. And in the middle, like right in the middle, I see this guy. 
you know, their bikes are worth more than cars. I mean, this is, yeah. And there's this guy. He's on this old bicycle. Like, it looks like it's going to fall apart. He's wearing an old helmet that looked like it came out of 1982. He's wearing cut-off jeans and a T-shirt. And I remember thinking to myself, that guy is not going to make it out of town, let alone 100 miles on some of the most difficult mountain bike terrain that you've ever seen. And I'm just going, what is wrong with that guy? I'm thinking, thinking, he's got to be a joke. This has got to be a joke. So the gun goes off and off they go. Well, our job as the support crew was to go get into the car, drive to these little stations where basically they could stop and get stuff. And we could, if their bike was messed up, we could help them and all this sort of stuff. So we go to the first checkpoint. And we're waiting for Mike. That's my father. And we're waiting for Mike to come. And so here he, co- here he comes. There's Mike. You know, and he, he stops and we're handing him all the th- stuff he needs. And then off he goes, you know. And we're getting ready to go to the next station. Well, guess who comes by? Mr. 1982. Zip. I'm past. I'm like, come on. I mean, okay, that was 25 miles. Okay, that, you know, come on. Okay, well, it, most of it was on the street or whatever. So we go to the next checkpoint. It's like 50 more miles down the road. Okay? It's this huge open area. Here comes Mike. Boom. We give him all the stuff. Off he, goes. Off he goes. I'm like, okay, we're ready to go. Here comes 1982. You know, like he's listening to a song in his head, and we don't know if really there was song music playing anywhere else, you know? And off he goes. We kept doing this. We kept moving ahead of where Mike was going to be. You go to a point that you turn around and you come back. And it basically takes you back to the starting point in town. And, and, and to finish this is amazing, okay? Awesome. And so here comes Mike. He's finished. This is this greatest thing. Oh, he's so excited. We're excited for him. And I turn around and I look. Here comes 1982. And I just remember going... What in the world? And I felt like God in that little voice makes this comment. He goes, man looks at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Now, I'm not saying that God was saying this was my follower and and Mike wasn't. No, he was saying that you looked at him and you saw the outward and you saw what you thought and you said he couldn't do it. But I say if their heart is right, they can do all things through Christ that I give them strength. Now, I'll be honest with you. How many times have you looked at yourself? How many times have you looked at others and go, nope, they don't play the part right. Nope, they don't look the part. Come on, be honest. How many times have you looked at yourself? I can't do that. Why? Well, I don't, I don't do this or I don't do that. I, listen, God is not so much concerned with the outward as much as he looks at the heart. And I just remember, I'll never forget that lesson. I'll never forget that guy. It challenged me to understand how God really sees things. And here's the bottom line. Those Pharisees, boy, just going back to the story, those Pharisees, man, they were on the best bikes. They had the fanciest training methods. They had all the stuff that you would just look at and go, oh, man, those guys know what they're doing. And quite honestly, what Jesus was basically saying is they didn't make it to the first checkpoint. The guy that no one thought would because his heart was where it should be. So let's finish it up by just looking at this. It's just a simple question. So who are we? Who are we? I kind of broke this down, and we'll go through these quickly, and then we'll, we'll go to Mark. But the hypocrites, they're ostentatious. Are you? 
are you. Next, they are motivated by vanity and conceit. Are you? I mean, this is easy. I mean, this is, these are things that we can check off and look at and go, how do I act? How do I respond? Next, they're rewarded by men. I mean, breaking it all down. Breaking down 18 chapters of, of things. This is who the hypocrites are, really. Are you? But what's beautiful about Jesus, he doesn't just say what I don't want you to be. He gives us illustrations and help to see what we should be. And so this is it. Disciples of Jesus, they operate in secret. Now again, that doesn't mean that you don't do things to let your light shine. But you don't do things for the applause of others. I love this, the, the illustration that Jesus gives. He says, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Or one of, It doesn't matter which way, but you get what I'm saying. Now, that doesn't mean that basically when the offering plate comes by that you put one hand behind your back and put it in. No, it's basically helping us understand that we're doing it for the right reason. So even yourself, you don't know what you're doing, if basically that makes sense. Next, they are motivated by humility. They understand what Jesus is, what he's done inside of them, and that every good and perfect gift comes from him. Okay? And the final thing, they are rewarded by God. They are rewarded, not by man necessarily, but by God. Now, now let's stop here, okay? Because there's going to be times where people are going to say, hey, man, I really appreciated this, or you did a really good job. That's fine, okay? Don't, Don't run away from when people are being kind to you but you understand the greater gift, the the greater treasure is the gifts and the rewards of our Father in heaven, okay? Jesus kind of brings it all to a close and kind of gives us this last little illustration that I want to share with us in Mark. And uh, it's kind of an interesting story um, because it really brings about some, some, some understandings that we need to look at. So in Mark 12... In Mark 12, Jesus is, is, is sitting in the temple, and so we're going to look at this, and, and we're going to see what he sees. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So, so if you kind of get this picture, I, I like to visualize things. Jesus is, uh, there's an area in the temple, and, and we could go into it, but we're not today, where, where basically people would come and they would put in um, offerings and they would put in their alms and they were, you'd be doing these things. And Jesus, he kind of walks in, he's kind of quiet, and he kind of just walks in, he just sits down, he watches. He's watching people. Okay, And so basically Jesus is sitting there and he's watching this take place. It says next, as many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, we need to understand here what this really is saying. Okay, Obviously during this time they didn't have paper money. Okay, So they have coins and they have things that make noise and they have things. And, and this idea of throwing it in is, is really this idea that they're taking these coins and they're throwing them so it makes noise. So people go, who? Who did that? Who? That sounded like a lot. Who? So this idea of throwing in is is what Jesus is understanding and what Jesus is seeing. I think we need to understand that, okay? Because once again, what we're seeing here is the heart, okay? Not how much necessarily is given or little, blah, 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 but the heart. So we see these individuals, these wealthy people, many rich people coming in, and they're like trying to outdo each other. You know? One thing I've learned about this that I always thought was funny is, is I could take a hundred pennies and make a lot of noise. Okay? It's still a dollar. 
I could take five quarters and I've given more. But you know what? I bet the pennies are going to make more noise. So we don't even know that these people are necessarily, you know, how much they're giving. It says large amounts, but we don't know how much. So we're seeing this idea of, of noise. And, and, and isn't it interesting how many times we see in Scripture this concept of, of, of us when we're not doing what we should be, like loving or whatever, that, that, that we're noise. So Jesus says, he watches and they're throwing in this, sound is happening. But next he says, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins. Now, this idea of a copper coin is basically, it's exactly almost like what you would think of today. These are pennies. These are the lowest denomination that there is out there, okay? So she puts in two very small copper coins. Again, to be a widow during this time. To be a woman wasn't easy, but to be a widow, she had no way to support herself, okay? Probably has kids, I don't know about you. And again, I just like to visualize things and picture things. And whether this happened or not, obviously the the scripture doesn't say. But for me, I'm watching these guys walk in with their just good old big old robes and purple and throwing all their money in. And here comes this poor thread-born woman, baby in one hand, kids in tow in the other. And she walks in. She puts her two coins in. Notice it doesn't say throne. She put them in. Now, to me, that symbolizes this idea of taking them and putting them down and not even dropping them. Scripture doesn't say it says she places them. She put them. Look at Jesus' response. And I think this is awesome. Calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly I tell you, This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. Can I just be flat honest with you? Who are you? Who are you? Hey, listen. I know that a lot of times I'm not, but I want to be the widow. If the worship team wants to come up, we're going to close. Why do I want to be the widow? Quickly, a couple things. Number one, she gave everything. She gave everything. Listen, listen, Listen to what Jesus said. He didn't say she gave some. She gave everything. He goes even one step further and says he, she gave everything she had to live on. She didn't got something. She didn't got her 401k in the background. She doesn't have something hidden someplace in the sugar jar. She is out. That's it. Everything she had, she gave. Why is that important that we understand that? Because it, told, it tells us the total and complete trust she has in Jesus and her father. She's basically saying, I will give everything because I know my God will take care of me. Wow. Hey, guys, that's why she's in here, if you didn't catch this. Like, I want to meet this woman one day. Because she understood. She gave it all. She gave it all. Not 
not some. She gave everything. And I love what Jesus said here. He says, listen, she gave more than anybody else. You know what we do as humans? We're going to talk about money just because it's easy to understand. And Jesus talked a lot about it. We look at things and we go, we go, you know, well, so-and-so, they gave this amount. And wow, that, they, blah, blah, well, they did this or that or whatever. You know that Jesus and, and, and the Father don't have, like, like, you understand that we have like a balance sheet, right? Okay? And so we have to keep track of when people give money because we want to be uh, accountable and ethical and all those sort of things. And so we have these things. And, and, and at the end of the year, we give you a giving statement so you can use it on your taxes. So, so we have this, this idea of, of who's given what and all this sort of stuff. And it's all put on there so we can be up and up and all that sort of stuff. You realize that Jesus that doesn't have that? Isn't that great? Jesus doesn't look, and when you come to him and say, God, can you help me with this? He doesn't open up the ledger sheet and look and go, mm-hmm, I see it, uh-huh. Well, I see that you've given, oh, look, oh, well, 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 of course I will. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we think that with our gifts and our treasures and our talents. We think, what can I give? You see, Jesus isn't so much concerned about the amount as much as he is the heart. And here's the beautiful thing. That widow's heart was pure gold. And Jesus states it. Jesus says she put it more in than anybody else. The disciples had to have been sitting there going, dude, Jesus, do you, is this a new math that you're going to be teaching us? Because this doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it is a new math. It's a math that says basically your heart matters more than what you put in the plate. It matters more than necessarily what you do. It matters more how, how instead of fooling people that you're real and authentic in your walk with Jesus. Which are us? Which are you? Which, are, which is me? I mean, this is one of those messages where we get to have this moment where we have to be honest with ourselves. I mean, we don't have to be, but we ought to be honest with ourselves and go, okay, which person do I normally am? I mean, here's the deal. Probably we're kind of over here one a little bit and then over here. But, but if you had to put a percentage, are you the hypocrite or are you the disciple of Jesus? And here's the thing. Even if you go, man, I, I, I'm 80% the disciple of Jesus and 20, you, you still grow. You can still get to 81%, Jesus. Get it? So no matter where we're at, we can continue to let Jesus change us and mold us to become more like him. Let's do this. Let's just close our eyes and let's just be honest with ourselves, okay? Listen, you can lie to me and that's, that's not good, but one of the silliest things you could ever do is lie to yourself. So let's look at our lives for just a second. The last point, real simple, which one are you? Which one are you? Are, are you the hypocrite? Or are you the disciple of Jesus? Or maybe, maybe in certain areas, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're more of a hypocrite. You need to understand that. And so God may speak to you about a specific thing or a specific type of thing. Maybe, maybe you go all the way back to the very beginning and, and, and you go, man, I'm really not doing these three things that Jesus expects of me. Maybe I'm not giving the way I should. Maybe, maybe I'm not praying like I ought to. Maybe, maybe I've never fasted or, or don't know how. And, and maybe that needs to begin. So there's so much here. 
that I believe God wants us to see. There's so much here that Jesus wants us to understand. And again, I could have gone through each little thing and dissected, oh, this is this and that. And, and, I, and I actually, I'll be honest with you, I started to do that. And I was just like, God was just like, Aaron, that's not what this, it was like I was making the mistake that Jesus was trying to say. He's like, you're, you're trying to worry about the outward appearance. I just care about their heart. Help them understand it's their heart. And so this morning, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter as we look at our lives, no matter how far away or how close we are, what I truly believe God wants for all of us this morning is just to give Him more of us. Just to give Him more of our heart and say, you know what, Jesus? I just want to be more like you. I want to be more like that woman that gave all, I want to give all to you and I want to give it all knowing that I trust you, knowing that you've got me, knowing that you'll take care of me, knowing that no matter what I place before you, you can take it and use it and multiply it. Sometimes we allow this thought that it's not enough to keep us from being obedient. God, you take whatever we give and you make it more than enough. So Father, revolutionize our giving life. Revolutionize our prayer life. Revolutionize the fasting that we do. Basically revolutionize the disciplines that you've placed in us to change us and mold us. Because here's what's awesome about all three of these things. When we do them, you use them to transform us. How do we become more like the woman? How do we become more a disciple of Jesus? It's simple. Jesus gave us the, 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 the way. We, we spend time with you. We give of ourselves and we discipline ourselves. That's how we do it. It's not rocket science. And so Jesus, today, as a family, we pray that you would help us. We pray that you would change us and mold us and make us. Jesus, I want you to look at me, not man, you to look at me and say, he gave more. I want the praise of you. I want the approval of you above all others, all others. So Jesus, I pray that you would help us. You're so good. We love you so much.